Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. My co-host Larry Dershman and I have some great stories for you tonight and an enormously uh, famous and very intelligent and actually very compelling and persuasive guest second half, Dr. Jim Wallace. So I just want to sort of tease that up because you don't want to miss him. He is the famous cold case detective uh, turned evangelist, as we say, but just very, very, uh, a lot to talk about with him in just a minute. Um, but first, we want to talk about some stories closer to home. And one of the stories we bring you tonight has to do with renaming. Now, we live in a culture where things have been renamed more frequently than in years past, just over the course of the last year, even 12 months. We've seen statues, for example, taken down, renamed, removed, relocated. We've seen the names of buildings and schools renamed as well. And that doesn't always go well with everybody uh, because there are members of some communities uh, that really hold certain monuments or schools or names or historical figures beloved. Uh, And sometimes that causes some dissension when people don't feel that they've had uh, enough time to voice their objections or maybe they're surprised to show up at a a bank or a library or a school only to find the name been changed and they live in the community and they felt that they should have had more of a an opportunity to voice their opinion about the name change. So for example, there's a group that's claiming that the San Diego Unified School District's unanimous board vote in March to rename uh, Junipero Serra High School, maybe Larry can tell me if I'm even pronouncing that correctly, um, was unlawful and uh, is planning a lawsuit. So this is a group that basically says they should have had more of an opportunity to weigh in beforehand. Um, the school says there was an opportunity and this was publicized. They did have an opportunity to, to weigh in. They didn't know about it. And it's really caused a lot of conversation around this particular issue. And I'm sure it probably isn't going to stop at this particular school Um, But Larry, what say you about the propriety of lawsuits like this, and and even this one in particular? Yeah, I think cancel or change the name. It's part of the cancel culture, cancel history, and cancel America movement. It's basically Marxist in origin. If you remember, last summer they were taking down statues everywhere, uh, and it's still going on. They're trying to remove statues. They're renaming things. And they're basically trying to erase our history. I mean, that's bottom line. And to do that, I mean, are we going to make Mission Valley? Are we going to change that to uh, something else? Uh, Because it has the word mission in it. San Diego, that's a variant of the name. Diego's a variant of the name James. So uh, are we going to rename San Diego? And how about San Francisco? Uh, You know, St. Francis. You could he would actually be renaming all of California. And so there's no stopping this. Uh, I think we need to stop it right now. And I am thrilled that they're filing a lawsuit. I wish them 
all the success in this. It makes no Larry, sense. Larry, did I say the name? Did I say the name of the high school correctly? I think you did. You know, with La Jolla, you have that 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 uh, that sound, and this is yeah. I, I've never thought of it really. Unipero, Sarah Unipero. Unipero. Yeah. Th- okay. Thank you, Mr. Engineer. Unipero. Thank you. Yeah. He you was. Know, a, go ahead. As Monk would say, one of my mother's favorite shows, I heard it both ways. But we always <laughs> want to do what we can to be correct. So uh, so thank you, Todd. Um, but yeah, so so Larry, one of, one of the things I wanted to ask you about this, because you're a history buff and you just know so much about all of this, there, and a friend of ours is bringing a lawsuit. We do have this idea that some of these figures for whom buildings were named, I mean, there weren't white supremacists and there's no allegations that they were controversial individuals, um, but that maybe they were community leaders. So I think what what the conversation appears to be, at least in, in some circles, is shouldn't we have more of a discussion at least as to whether or not this is somebody that no nothing should be named after or whether, you know, it's a it's a historical figure, it's a religious figure. Not everybody that has a building named after them was a bad person or even a controversial person. Is that right? That's right. They, they want to rename this school Canyon Hills High. And basically it violated the Brown Act. They did this, I think, by a via Zoom meeting. There was nobody, there was no public notice. So the people didn't have a chance to really get in there and protest this supposed name change. And they're also violating the state of California and the federal due process and establishment clauses. And those, those clauses are in both constitutions. So this is going to be a huge lawsuit and uh, it's going to be interesting to follow it. Yeah, so the school principal in this case, according to the news report, said all students and parents were notified of the meeting uh, and given the opportunity to weigh in. And that's something reported by the, by the Tribune. Uh, you know, obviously, that's what lawsuits are for. Sometimes there's there's facts on both sides that don't always agree. That's why you and I are in business, Larry. That's why right. lawyers are in business. Um, but I'm sure this will be uh, we'll have to shake this one out and, and really see see what the issue is. But I think it really stands for the larger issue that we see that um, sometimes knowledge is power. And if people actually know the history behind why something is named, whatever it is, they may not have a problem with it. You know, it may not be tied to anything nefarious or any social ill or injustice. I mean, sometimes names are just names. And oftentimes, as we know, with like bridges and thoroughfares, they're named after people that have done great things in the community or some sometimes donated money, sometimes lost their life defending as sometimes we we name, um, you know, we name freeways after people that are are valued public figures and often beloved public figures. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to have something named after you. Okay. But this really kind of ties into uh, a couple of the items on your agenda, Larry. And I, I was not surprised that you were passionate about this topic. You also are passionate about some of the other things that are going on um, with our society and also with our young people. Right. I, I title this segment, America is at war with itself. And I owe a lot of these words to a, a wonderful journalist by the name of David Kupelian of WorldNet Daily. And I started off with a quote, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. Do you know who said that, Wendy? Who? Abraham Lincoln. Actually, I did know, but I wanted to keep the conversation going. Only because you told me. Okay. So America is at war, and the adversary sadly lies within. There's a Marxist revolution now exploding throughout America. 
from our classrooms to our streets to the halls of Congress and the White House. There's not even the slightest exaggeration in that statement. For a reality check, consider that the number one best-selling book in our country right now is by Mark Levin. It's called American Marxism. Also, The Tyranny of Big Tech by Senator Josh Hawley. And how about this one? Irreversible Revolution, Marxism's Goal to Conquest and the Unmaking of the American Military. And that's by a gentleman by the name of Matthew Lohmeyer. And if you recall, he was recently fired from the Space Force because he dared question what they were teaching the military people. And so it's very much on the mind of many people. And this is real, folks. We um, And let, let's be totally clear as to what we are really dealing with. What we cryptically refer to as the left are code words for a godless revolutionary movement steeped in pathological anger and churning rebellion against America as uniquely blessed by the Judeo-Christian uh, concept in the, our constitutional republic. And uh, it's a war not with uh, racism and inequity and against the Trump supporters, whom they label white supremacists and domestic terrorists, it's really a war against America itself. And traditionally, we've been defended by the free press, but so many of our free press journalists have been, I don't know, absent without leave. Uh, they're actually championing, uh, they're, they're champions of this revolution that we're experiencing. So uh, we need to, I'm thankful for this radio show, Wendy, that we can speak our mind and keep America free. And I just hope some people uh, will jump on board and get active too, because there's a lot going on out there. You know, there's lots of journalism that is um, purportedly uh, wanting to be fair and balanced and taking pains to be fair and balanced. And I find it interesting, many of the liberal news outlets that I've been a guest on have been very clear about wanting to be accurate and wanting to make sure that they give um, both sides uh, an, an equal opportunity. So it, it is puzzling in a sense that we we do see a lot of complaints um, that people are allegedly being censored if they are coming down very strong on one side or, or the other. But then when you watch the liberal stations, many of them are also very careful to give both sides a chance to be heard. Sounds like there's a disconnect there somewhere. Yeah, it, it really is. And if you, to me, I, I look at the, the, the kind of the zoomed out view of what's going on and it, there's a connection with all of it in my mind. And the other big thing, not only are they trying to rename things and take all of our history away, but they're going after the family. And I don't know if, uh, how many people know this, but Karl Marx uh, hated the family and he was really tough on his own family. He had six kids. Three of them died as, as, as infants from starvation. Uh, two, two of them committed suicide and only one made it to adulthood. This is Karl Marx, uh, the German philosopher who is see Larry, this is why you're the cloud and I'm the silver lining. And <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's more to all of this, but I, we're going to have to uh, take a break and get ready to go into our second half. But let me end with this. Um, you make your points are uh, ones that are very ripe for debate and that are being debated in the court of public opinion. And that is why journalism should exist, right? That we talk about these things and right. we weigh both sides and we, we hear from others with divergent views. Otherwise, we really um, wouldn't know uh, knowledge is power and wouldn't have the knowledge we need to make a good decision. But we are going to pick it up again with a very interesting guest in just a minute. A talented cold case homicide detective 
whose cases have been featured more than any other detective on NBC's Dateline, right? Nobody watches that, right? Wrong. That's a very popular show. So stick with us. You are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We'll be back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Okay, so I teased this before the break. We have an enormously popular guest for you uh, the second half. Someone with a wonderful story. Somebody that actually is in law enforcement, near and dear to my heart but also in the area of Christianity, as Larry and I often talk about ourselves. So, Larry, who do we have on the line? Yes, Wendy. Jay Warner Wallace is America's foremost cold case detective. He's a Dateline. He's featured on Dateline uh, cold case homicide detective more than any other uh, person that has appeared on that show. And his cases have been fe- featured, like I said, more times on NBC's Dateline than any other. He continues to consult on cold case investigations while serving as a senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. He became a Christ follower at age 35 after investigating the claims of the New Testament Gospels using his skill set as a detective. He's the author of numerous books, including Cold Case Christianity, God's Crime Scene, Forensic Faith, and his latest book that's not even out yet, but we'll be talking about it, called Person of Interest, which I believe it will be out in September of this year. So welcome to the program, Jim. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys. Thank you. So, you know, I've heard Jim speak um, both online and in person, and his speeches are so filled with wisdom, but also with grace and graciousness. He always follows up and he delivers content for free afterwards. Of course, he always has a book signing and I'm always in line to buy a book also. But just the, the ease with which he's able to share his faith and share some of the material that we use in talking to some others that uh, that believe something different than we do, for example. Um, and But I found it interesting that he became a Christian at age 35. So Jim, let me ask you this. Now, we know about the case for Christ and Lee Strobel and his journey as a journalist. You actually go much farther than that because you had the job, and I've done these cases too, where you're actually trying to warm up a cold case, revitalize something that uh, has lost its scent. We've lost the track. And it was that expertise that led you to appreciate the Gospels. How did that happen? Well, Wendy, it was one of those things where I just was not interested. I thought this was such a preposterous claim that it wasn't even worth my time. You know, like Lee's a friend of mine, and, and Lee, his wife, Leslie, became a Christian before him, you know, and, and he he basically wanted to prove her wrong. I, I My wife was not a Christian yet. Uh, we became Christians about the same time. And I just thought that, the like, who cares about, like, you know, this is fairy tale stuff. I mean, it really did not appear to me to be even worth my time. And the few Christians I knew were the people I was taking to jail who would tell me they were Christians. So I thought, really? This system doesn't seem to be able to, to uh, you know, hold in its own. Um, so I just was not interested. But um, the first pastor I listened to, um, he pitched Jesus in a way that was interesting to me. Right? He said that Jesus was the smartest man who ever lived. And I thought, really? I mean, if, if you knew there was somebody who at least qualified in that category, would you want to read what he had to say? And that's what got me started reading the Gospels. 
Wow. Wow. In your brand new book that's not even out yet, Person of Interest, you have a subtitle, Why Jesus Still Matters in a World that Rejects the Bible. So, Jim, why do you think so many of people in our culture today, especially young people, are rejecting the Bible? And does your book propose solutions on how we can turn that trend around? Well, two things. I think, number one, uh, young people especially have been convinced that supernaturalism, the idea that something outside of space, time, and matter, you know, physics and chemistry, could actually have happened in the course of history, they, they consider that less and less plausible for them. They just don't think it's reasonable that anything outside... So they're very committed super, uh, um, philosophical naturalists. So they are not... The miracles, for example, are a hard sell to a generation who thinks that everything is just a matter of space, time, physics, and chemistry. Uh, it matter, you know. So those are the things that uh, I think are, are part of the problem. The second problem I think is that the culture is so pressing against the beliefs of young people that when, when the beliefs of culture and the claims of culture collide with the claims of Scripture, young people are far more likely to bend their knee to the claims of culture. I mean, let's face it, they're on social media platforms that will punish you if you don't um, submit your views to the views that are widely held by culture. You don't want to be the least popular person in your class or the least popular person in your community, and you are likely to be that person if you are a Christ follower, which, by the way, Jesus predicted 2,000 years ago, okay? So it's not like it's a surprise to anybody yes. this is happening. But the reality, those two things, I think, do press against us. But I will say this. As an atheist, the things that mattered to me most as a non-believer, because I was raised in the arts, and I was trained in the arts before I became a detective. I have a master's degree in architecture before I became a detective. And, and so I would say it would have been literature, uh, music, art, education, science. These are high values to me as a non-believer. And it turns out those five areas were so deeply impacted by Jesus and his followers that you could not be where we are today in any of those five areas if not for Jesus of Nazareth, who inaugurated a worldview that made those five things possible. And it turns out, if, we, if you don't think that's true, it's just because you don't know history or you don't, never really looked at the, the history of those movements. And if you do, you'll go, wow, it turns out that the, the, if you've been ignoring Jesus, it, the things you probably are, are, are focused on and appreciate the most are because of Jesus. You might want to take a second look. Wonderful. Well, you know, along the lines of taking a second look, I think part of what you are encouraging, especially young people to do, is take a first look. I know that you and your wife have teamed up and written some children's books that, sure enough, with your background, teach kids how to develop good investigative skills. I mean, that's what we want, right? We want people to actually investigate things. But that that would be to strengthen their belief in God and to defend the faith while speaking to others, go figure. When actually looking into it, it turns out there is this truth. Can you tell us a little bit about that venture that apparently you and your wife do together? Yeah, that was a, probably the most satisfying thing we've done is, is writing kids' books. And we have an academy at casemakersacademy.com where we just kind of release a bunch of free materials that go along with those books so that, you know, kids can basically be part of a police academy where they're learning this critical thinking skills and they're solving three mysteries. Along the way, they're going to learn something about Jesus, about the evidence for God's existence, about how to share their faith. So it's kind of a combination of how do, you know, how do we think critically, and two, then how do we apply that to our Christian worldview to determine if it's true or not. And we want to start that early. Like This is for, for like 8- to 12-year-olds. We're starting that early because if you look at the data, most people who in their college years will tell you they are no longer believers will tell you they first started to think their way out, like you know, de- deconvert basically, in, um, in middle school. 
We always think, oh, it's going to happen in in university. It's universities that are the the problem. Actually, most people who are not Christians by the time they're in university uh, were not Christians before they entered the university. They they, they decided this wasn't true in a much earlier age than we typically think. So that's why we got to start earlier. And I think really uh, the minute you give your kids a phone, you have opened them up to all the skepticism you used to give them when they uh, set foot on a campus. Now they get that the minute they get their phone. If they're giving those kids a phone in their junior high years, well, stand by to stand by, and don't be surprised. So I think a lot of that is trying to start earlier. It's interesting that uh, you mentioned Lee Strobel, and he was an investigative journalist, and I think he started his quest uh, to, to find God to try to prove, disprove that he existed. And you have a similar story, but I know it's a little bit different. But I guess my question is going to be, uh, what advice would you give to those people who are still struggling with believing the Bible is true and God exists. I know that's a long, <laughs> there'd be a long yeah, answer yeah. to that, but who, who would you well, start? Well, I would say, okay, if you don't think the Bible is trustworthy, then ignore it altogether. That's why, that's why I wrote Person of Interest. I, but here's, here's my thinking on it. You could not have gotten me to open the Bible when I first started this investigation because I wasn't interested in your scripture. Everyone's got scripture. Everyone thinks their scripture is true. Why should I care about your scripture? And so I wasn't going to open the Bible to take a look at it. But it turns out that if you destroyed every New Testament, every single manuscript piece of evidence for the New Testament, if you got rid of all of them, somehow you could manage a way to destroy all of them, you would still be stuck with the Jesus that you and I know. And you can make the case, not from the evidence of scripture, but from the evidence of history leading up to the appearance of Jesus and the history that follows the appearance of Jesus. It turns out it's not just that he had a huge impact impact on these areas of culture is that you could reconstruct the story of Jesus from these areas of, of, of his impact on culture. So I'll give you an example of this. If, uh, education. If you were to go to the top 15 universities in the, in the, in the world today, and I don't care who's ranking them, they'll be in some different order, but those top 15 universities were all founded by Christians. They came out of three universities, the modern universities that we recognize today in Bologna, in Paris, and in Oxford. And so now we trickle down 2,000 years years, or you know, 1,500 years, you now, from the cathedral schools and the monasteries, have this elaborate university system. And guess what? Those top 15 universities, they used to meet in buildings that used to be used for religious studies or for chapels. And if you went back to the campuses of those 15 universities and simply examined the buildings and the charters of those 15 universities, you could reconstruct the story of Jesus just from the campuses and charters of the top 15 universities. And I did that in the book. So the, uh, my point is, if you wanted to destroy the story of Jesus, you have to be willing to destroy the top 15 universities as well, because they still bear his fingerprints. Amazing. You know, Jim, part of the just the wonder that you're, I hope, are inspiring in our listeners. And, you know, we, we talk about uh, we live in a culture where people are so fond of saying not not everyone, but occasionally you'll hear somebody say, well, you know, Jesus never said that as if he needed to recite the entire Old Testament <laughs> verbatim to to make it all true and to actually be a fulfillment of those prophecies. I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone else give such give quite the recitation you just did about how much proof there would be, even if we removed much of the New Testament, because part of your job, no doubt, as a cold case detective is also reconstructing without the obvious evidence. If the obvious That's evidence right. was there, it wouldn't be a cold case. So, well, you know, I would... 
Yeah, yeah well, you know this one. You've done these. So, for example, what are you doing in no-body murder? Yeah, the guy gets rid of his wife's body, claims that she ran off, and now you have nobody in the crime scene. Well, how do you deal with that? You've got to go in front of a jury. You know, Years later, you start the case for the first time. You waited too long. Now he's destroyed the crime scene. He's moved from the house. How do I go in front of a jury with no crime scene, no body, and no physical evidence? What do we do? We tell the jury, on the day that she went uh, missing, I was like, a bomb went off. But that bomb did not go off until there was a long fuse that burned toward that explosion. And after it exploded, there was a ton of shrapnel all over the place. I can make this case by just showing you what happened in the fuse and the fallout to demonstrate what happened at the crime scene on the day of the murder. Amen. So all you did Amen. Look at, yeah, look at the fuse and fallout of history. That's what we're doing in this book. Same exact approach we take in Nobody Murders. And I think if you and did that alone, you could make a case without any scripture at all. That is a perfect ending to the segment. Thank you so much for joining us, and I love it that we're ending on a very big high note this week. So have a wonderful, safe weekend, everyone. Please join us next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy, Headlines with the Silver Lining. Have a great week, and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. 